On today's Locked On Royals Twins crossover, we're going to dive into the Kansas City Royals and Minnesota Twins squaring off for a series yet again. How have the Twins been surging this season? Can the Royals catch up? And what to look forward to throughout the weekend? You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals Twins crossover podcast. We're going to talk about this Royals and Twins series this weekend, which will be pretty fun to follow along with throughout this entire weekend and a pretty strong tie as well as the Royals go out of town uh, for the NFL draft to happen in Kansas City. Of course, the Vikings have a lot of uh, interesting choices to make as well. So it'll be fun weekend all around that ties these two communities together for the next four days. Uh, Brennan, how are you doing today as host of Locked On Twins coming in? Yeah, not too bad. It's a little little drizzly here in Minnesota today, but I don't think there's any danger of this game being in any peril. But uh, very excited to see this series and how it pans out and you know, rekindle the season opener. Rekindle that season opener, which is a, a great thing to lead into the first question just to get it out of the way the scheduling has been crazy the Royals have only played two divisional series this will be their second one and they've been both against Minnesota it feels so crazy that we're a month into the year and the Royals have not seen anyone else outside the division now the Twins they've gotten a few more division games like normal uh than what we've seen but how how do you overall project that you're going to like this scheduling in the sense of just as a entertainment value of getting to see every team and and experience playing uh, more teams than normal yeah, I think I'll like seeing every team. I, It's hard to say. I didn't think about that change as much as I did, say, the pitch clock or any of the changes that they made that were a little more obvious to the, the day-to-day game. But as far as, um, as the schedule being more balanced or, I mean, less unbalanced would probably be just as fair to say, It'll be, it'll be interesting to see because uh, I like seeing them go into NL parks, especially, you know, Dodger Stadium used to be every six years they'd go or, or go into San Francisco and, and play there. So I, I'm, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I like the chance to, to see more players from the National League that I don't get to see all the time, like Mookie Betts or Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto. Um, very excited to see all those guys. And so uh, in general, I think I'm uh, on the positive side of that change. I love it. I think that it's a great thing for the game because if you do want to follow or cover a team where you're watching 162 games of a specific team as a fan or media, whatever, you know, that's a lot of time commitment to commit to baseball. It's where you can't really, you know, watch a lot more past that. You can watch some games, but not a lot more past that if you're going to watch literally all 162. And so this way, it's a great way for baseball to get you in front of some of their other premier players that you otherwise wouldn't get to see for a few years uh, cycling through. So, Let's talk about the Twins, though, first, because they're by far the more interesting aspect of this of this series. It looks as though they're in prime position in this division to take it, although things are still early on. What, what's been the biggest change? Is it Would it be wrong to just say it's health, or is there something more? Like, is there other players who've taken a leap that don't really uh, you know, impact just health? Like, what's been the biggest change for Minnesota this year? The team's identity is starting pitching right now, and it hasn't – so I, I did – look up the last week ERA and it was four, eight, nine, which you'd think, Oh shoot, that's pretty high. Right. But Kent Maeda gave up 10 earned runs 
sorry, that's my dog. Kent Demaida gave up 10 earned runs last time out against the Red Sox uh, yesterday, and that kind of hurt it. It jumped from 2.53 to 4.89, so it almost doubled. So if you look at the recent numbers, it's probably not quite as uh, obvious that this starting rotation has been the strength of this team. But top to bottom, uh, Sonny Gray has been incredible. I actually just tweeted it a little bit ago. His ERA plus is 7.01, and that is not a typo. So if people like baseball reference, you know, adjusted ERA, that's uh, that's that's pretty good, you could say. Um, Pablo Lopez has been great. Joe Ryan's been great. Tyler Malley has been pretty good. You guys will get to see him in the first game of the series. But beyond that, even the fill-ins, Bailey Ober was good. Louis Varland was good. They This looks like an entirely different team, and the health has been more good than bad. But the offense right now is uh, is kind of struggling. Uh, last week, 789 OPS, so kind of coming into form. But the, the identity of this team right now begins and ends with starting pitching. What would you say the confidence level is for the Twins moving forward in this division? I'd say it's pretty good. I mean, and if people remember from the crossover episode, I think I swung your vote to Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. So you did. good on you. You, did. you but, sold um, me. I, I think it's fairly good, but at the same time, too, you know, you don't win the division in April, but you can definitely lose it. And I think, you know, if there was a team that was in the mix that is starting to feel out of the mix, I, I sure think Chicago is that team right now. But the Twins are going to have, after this series, Chicago, Cleveland, and then things get a little bit crazier with the Padres and then the Dodgers. But it's a, it's a good time to, you know, make some progress in this division, show that you belong, show that you can uh, put the pedal to the metal like the like the Guardians did last season when the Guardians needed to make things happen. They did, especially against the Twins late in the season. So I, I, I would say I'm fairly confident that they can keep this up, win at a, a 560 winning percentage. But I'm curious to see, hopefully the offense picks it up because I'm not sure the starting pitching can be um, you know, fourth and ERA good all season long. Do you think that the White Sox are are buried or are kind of not looking like they can be primed for a bounce back given how bad they've been to start? Like that's been one of the biggest surprises of the season to me. Well, I'm looking at Fangraph's odds right now, and they say 4.6% to win the division and 6.4% to make the playoffs. So pretty far down on them. I, I mean, I'm not usually going to make a proclamation this early in the season, but I, I'm out on them. I, I just don't see the depth there to compete. They just, they haven't done enough to build an entire team. I think what you know is that in order to win in the big leagues, even in the central, um, you have to have more than just a starting nine. And every time they dip into a guy like Romy Gonzalez, it's just not there. And so I, I don't see it with the White Sox. Uh, I was skeptical about the Guardians before, but I, you know, they, Anytime you could pitch like they do or bring up a kid like Tanner Bibby like they did, you're going to have a chance. But right now I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the Twins and pretty down on the White Sox. I am forever indebted to you for swinging my vote in this division to Minnesota whenever I was all in on Chicago for a little bit. I loved Pedro Gafal going there. I loved uh, everything that they've provided uh, in, in, in the White Sox on paper uh, look pretty good. But in reality, it's been Minnesota so far. But – I think Minnesota has a critical series against these Kansas City Royals, and I'm going to tell you why coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at eBay 
Motors, folks. We all know that building a championship team starts with every player being the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts or accessories, head on over to the eBay Motors, and eBay gives you the guaranteed fit, and you can make sure that you have every part that fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check that knows that every part will fit or your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll need to be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring uh, home a win whenever you have the right parts guaranteed get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit available for U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. We're back on a lockdown Royals Twins crossover podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun watching this series unfold. I think that there's a lot of pressure on Minnesota. Now you can hear game one recap on Friday and then we'll recap the series on Monday on each show. So make sure you go subscribe to Locked on Twins as well as Locked on Royals for this series coverage as we start the month of May. Well, Brandon, I think that there's a lot of pressure on Minnesota in this series. I think that what, what is really eye-opening is you saw what just happened to, to Texas. Texas was riding high. The Rangers were on top of cloud nine. They had they had beat their arch nemesis Astros. Now they had banked a lot of wins early on. And then they get swept by the lowly Cincinnati Reds. And now they're only a, game, a half a game up on Houston. And, and they're in grave danger of, of losing that spot to a really good Astros squad and being right back in a dogfight. Whereas if they would have taken care of business against um, you know, if they would take care of business against Cincinnati, they would have still had that cushion to play with as they start to play a tougher competition. So, Brandon, what is the pressure like whenever you see a team like Kansas City strolling into town? Well, and the Twins just did the opposite by dropping two of three to the Nationals and then uh, taking two of three from the Yankees and actually winning the season series from the Yankees for the first time since 2001. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, you have to win the games put in front of you. So, to that end, it is pressure because, like, for instance, one of the games, the Twins had a 2-0 lead, and it felt like Washington had no pulse. Uh, then they get a home run and push another run across, cross, and then push another run across, and suddenly you're into that bullpen, which, um, you know, Hunter Harvey at the back end, Kyle Finnegan, a rough start, but good stuff. Um, they lost a the game they had no business losing. So, again, as much as it looks good to be 14-11 and 11 right now, you'd rather be 15-10 and 10 or 16-9. and 9. Um, those games hurt. And as you see from Twins fans on Twitter, they get pretty ticked anytime they lose any game. So uh, that's why my bit on the show and on Twitter is that every game's a must-win game because there's always some guy on Twitter saying that. So I've just kind of leaned into it. But, you know, now you got Twins fans saying, got to sweep these guys, got to take three or four. And, you know, Zach Greinke is the epitome of a crafty righty if such a thing exists. I still think Brady Singer's got great stuff, even if he's off to a tough start. And Jordan Lyles and Brad Keller aren't pushovers. You know, it's it's a pretty decent um, it's a pretty decent rotation, all things considered. I know the ERA is bad, but you're going to have to show up to play. And any <laughs> it's not like any given Sunday in football, but on any given day, obviously, big league teams can beat each other. So I'm hopeful the Twins show up because it's just going to look real bad if they you know drop three or four to the Royals with the expectations the Twins have right now. And I think that what's frustrating from the Royals aspect is you're right. Like, like if you tell me that Zach Grinky goes out today and, and, and he gives up one run and the offense scores three and they win the game, 
that wouldn't surprise me at all. If he told me that he'd go out there and give up five runs in the third inning, that doesn't surprise me either. And so the inconsistency from Kansas City is how they've gotten to this lowly record, more so than like just no talent. I think that that's what's been yeah. hard to convey to people because whenever right. you look at this team that has – you know, a, a two and eight record in the last 10 games, they're six and 19, their run differential is abysmal. It just looks like, well, they're divide, they, you know, they're, they're deployed of talent. They have no talent at all. They're, they're terrible, but it's just one thing or the other. And that's been the big problem for, yeah. for, for, for Kansas city either. Well, and I want to uh, ask, well, I want to ask what's the level of like nostalgia for Zach Greinke because he was gone for so long, 11 seasons, you know, coming back is obviously cool, but it was so long ago, and now it's a second season. And he was pretty good last year. I mean, he didn't strike anybody out, but he was a good veteran presence and and all that. What's what's the nostalgia level or connection level to him right now for Royals fans? Yeah, I think it's just the deep rooted connection in like for for my generation. You know, being twenty five, he he was the first ever good player that I got to watch and like remember and got to mm-hmm. experience. And he won the Cy Young, and like he was the first player that was truly you know, at, a, at an elite level in my lifetime, in the sense of like my cognitive lifetime, not like the actual age, but the time I got to understand baseball and like watch it and, and thoroughly and, and thoroughly kind of enjoy it. It was that Grinky. So kind of bringing him back um, was nice. And, and, and I think at the time last year, we thought it was going to be like a one year thing and he retires and then, and then hopefully wears a Kansas city Royals cap in Cooperstown. And, and, and this is going to be his identity uh, whenever he's immoralized, but it turns into a two year deal, which, as you mentioned, it's not terrible considering the production he's still giving you. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that the deeply rooted connection would would s- certainly feel odd for a lot of fan bases. Um, but whenever the Royals have only made the playoffs twice in my lifetime, and he gave you one of the best seasons of my lifetime, and it was a losing season still, nonetheless. But like that is that is kind of where the, the connection comes from of like him, Soria, Billy Butler, like those those are the Mike Sweeney, those are the guys you got to kind of hang on to while the team was so dreadful, and so it's hard to shake that right it's hard it's hard to uh to no longer feel that but i think that with with this team the frustrating part is it feels like someone does good and someone does bad every single night and there's two extremes like either the pitching staff gives up two runs and the and the offense can't score or the offense scores nine but the pitching staff gives up 10 and and so them not being able to play together is what is so frustrating for royals fans because you named off those pitchers who you wouldn't be shocked to see have a good outing. You also wouldn't be shocked if they had a terrible one. And then the hitters are the same way. Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez. Like if I told you, Vinny Pascantino, if I told you that these guys were going to have a monster series and they were going to hit, you know, 500 the week for this weekend, it wouldn't shock you. But if I told you that they were all going right. to strike out seven times, that also wouldn't shock you either. And that's the epitome of a bad team. And, and, the, and the Royals are what their record is, but their record also looks way worse than than what you're saying. You, you, it's not a team where you can just roll over, roll out of bed and get some wins. Like I, I think that, and maybe this is just kind of the wrong view of, you know, outside looking in, but I really do believe that you can just roll out of bed and, and beat the A's. Like the A's want you to beat them. Yeah. They're not even going to try. They don't even have any talent to look forward to. Whereas the Royals, mm-hmm. you're still going to beat them. But if you just rolled out of bed and just up to the ballpark and didn't and didn't do anything to to prepare or get ready for them, they can beat you uh, on any, on any certain night. Cause they haven't enough, pieces at all levels they have, they have just enough starting mm-hmm. pitching to surprise you they have just enough hitters to surprise you and then, then the bullpen if you get a hot game from chapman if you get a hot game from barlow if you get a hot game from garrett like they, they can surprise you there too so like they just have enough all right pieces to where it's not a pushover game but also not right. enough pieces to where they're going to win the game where 
where are fans in terms of this rebuild? I mean, are they disenchanted? Are they encouraged somewhere in between? Because you you look at this roster and there's evidence. Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez, Vinny Pasquantino, who has almost as many walks as strikeouts. I mean, he's commanding the strike zone. But then at the same time, Michael Massey has 25 strikeouts, no walks. And, you know, that there's still some guys on the roster who, you know, they're dealing with injuries too. Um, who's the Drew Waters, uh, you know, the, the outfielder, pretty talented, came over from, I think, the Braves. Uh, where do fans stand with this rebuild? Are they excited or is it kind of like uh, still kind of uh, trudging along? Well, this is this is the this is the uh, emotional roller coaster. So, I'm I'm always a pessimist, especially in baseball, because again, I've only seen two postseason appearances in my lifetime. But this offseason, I felt good about this team. Of like, they're not going to win anything of note. They're not going to go to the playoffs, but they are going to be respectable, and they are going to be a team that that gives you an entertaining product night in and night out. And they might fall short, but it'll be fun to get there. And that's not been the case. I mean, that's not been the case at all. And so I think that now, especially, and I do think that this matters, I think that whenever you look at the product that, that the Chiefs are putting out on the other side of the parking lot, it's even easier for this to happen. Like, this fan base does not care. Like, they, I, this fan base will not watch half this series. They'll be paying attention to the draft tonight. They'll be paying attention to the second and third round tomorrow. They'll be, they'll be in and around the community at the draft, you know, being held, held in Kansas City. But even, even if this draft was in Cleveland, it'd be the same way. Like, they only care about football, and, and rightfully so. The Royals have given you no reason to care about them and no reason to even respect them. And, you know, I think that, you know, some of the downtown ballpark stuff has gotten fans up in arms, you know, a subsection of fans up in arms about, you know, you're not even putting out a good product on the field. Now, now we want to go find a ballpark downtown for no reason. Like, it's all just came piling down at the same time, demanding for a ballpark, being a terrible team just every single year, plus your your opposition in the sense of like the Chiefs are at a historic dynasty level. Why would I care about the Royals night in and night out at this point for the majority of fans? Now, there still are going to be diehard fans because the Royals and, and Kansas City is such a good sports city. But it's getting to the point now where, like, the losses don't sting anymore. And 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 getting, getting struck out 14 times in a single game, you, you just laugh and move on. And that's the most dangerous place to be for a franchise. Yeah, it's a scary place to be when the fans are apathetic. And I went through – that I covered some pretty bad teams from 20, I mean, 2011, I wasn't quite covering it, but you know, that was, that was my team, you know, and through 2014, they were bad. And then to the, the path back to contention is such a, a winding one. We've seen it with the white Sox where they were good and, and then now bad, which, you know, people joke about their championship window closing. Was it ever open? But you look at the twins bad in 2014, good in 2015, historically bad in 2016, they get the number one overall pick, take Royce Lewis. Then they're decent again in 2017, not very good in 2018. Like the, the path back to contention is such a narrow, difficult one to row that you almost have to like not put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you look at the the baby Royals that won that World Series and, um, you know, how many of those guys took for a, a, quite a while to pan out and how many of those guys didn't pan out because – like in 2010, I remember Baseball Perspectives had all these crazy big prospects and like half of them worked out, which is still a pretty good hit rate. But by that time, you know, you're close to the end of the club control of a guy like Eric Hosmer, or Mike Moustakis and and that sort of thing. So um, I think fans lose sight of how difficult it is to rebuild. And that's why, you know, fans so excited for the tank uh, before, before the draft lottery. Uh, to me, tanking is just nonsense. It's it doesn't make sense. If you suck, you should suck organically. 
<laughs> um, but it just, it, it, it doesn't do anything for me. And then two, you know, there was a time when eight or 10 teams are tanking. So if you're the worst at tanking, you're still picking 10th. So, um, you know, you hate to see it. Apathy in a fan base is, is devastating. And I kind of feel like where the Royals are right now is about where the twins were 10 years ago. Um, I covered that 2013 team, all 81 games at home and whew, that was rough. It is rough. And I, and I think that the Royals have a ton of, you know, apathy around their organization. And it, and it's sad because I, I genuinely was positive about this off season. And that's not something that I do every single year. I'm, I'm very much a pessimist, but whenever you, you clean house in the front office and you get a new coaching staff, I really thought that things would turn around. And so far they, they haven't. And, and every time that it feels like they might, like, like there's games where like that comeback over the weekend against the angels, like it felt like that was a game that can really Calvinize a group and, and you go on a little bit of a, of a run to make your record a little bit more respectable. It just doesn't like, like those wins just don't, don't pile onto each other. They, they have not found a way to, to snowball it into, into a success. And I will say to your credit though, we can, everyone, I think, around baseball, Royals fan, not Royals fan, media, whatever, fans, whatever, everyone can agree that on paper, these guys should be good. Like Bobby Wood Jr. should be good. And Jim Linda should be good. And your point's an accurate one. That that group of Hosmer and Moustakas, they were lofted as the best prospects in baseball, the best farm system, not only in baseball, but they were like legitimate publications saying that they were the best farm system of all time. And they got mm-hmm. two postseason bursts out of that. And as, as, a, as an aside to your point, Mike Moustakis was sent down in 2014 before the postseason. He gets called back up, literally got sent down in August and got called back up, and and he's able to go on a surge uh, against his hometown Angels and and help you sweep them and get to the World Series. So, like, this stuff, it does take time, and it does take um, seasons and years and moments like this where you just feel like it doesn't matter and and, and who cares. But eventually, you might get to to that uh, mountain top. I got to ask, who's in a better spot right now, the Royals or the Tigers? I always want to say the Royals, but... It, yeah. it, I just, I, I think that the, the Tigers, for some reason, have put it together a little bit more faster, but I think that the Tigers have done it in, you know, more of a Band-Aid way of like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you got AJ Hinch, that's a great hire, but like, is this sustainable that you won a couple games last week and now your record looks really good? I don't, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that there are miles ahead of where Kansas City is, um, and I think that Kansas City has more generic and organic young talent that we all can agree should be good young talent. Now, do they, do they ever develop those guys? Who knows? But like, Mm -hmm. I think on paper, who has the best, who has the better young talent? Um, you you know, if they were to be developed properly, I think it'd be Kansas city pretty, pretty clearly. Yeah. yeah. But well, by the bias contract is terrible. And, um, they they have a lot of their eggs in the pitching basket, which hasn't stayed healthy. Tariq Skubal, um, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, that that's hard to do too. It is very hard to do, very hard to do. But what's easy to do is go to better help because getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes you don't know what you want uh, or why you react the way that you do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on a journey of self-discovery or whatever uh, and wherever you are. Go there right now because it's 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 a great place to get started. If you're thinking about therapy, get started with BetterHelp by giving it a try because it's entirely online. It's totally online, designed for your convenience. It's flexible. It is suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. You can get matched with a licensed therapist uh, who will be able to, to help you. And if you don't like that therapist, you can just switch at any time with no additional charge to a new therapist and, and, and kind of keep working through until you find that match for you. 
that discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to uh, get started today with a 10% off on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB. We're back on Lockdown Royals Twins crossover podcast. We've talked a lot about the central and about, you know, the, the overview of the season. Let's let's narrow in on this on this series. We talked about the pressure that that the uh that the Twins are facing in this series and and, and what's happened around baseball, but who do you think has the edge in in each pitching matchup? Let's start with Thursday. Just Grinky against uh against uh sorry. Tyler Malley. Malley. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna say Twins. Uh, Mally has been good. The biggest issue has been home runs, and you know, there's always talk of his velocity. Last time out, it was cold, so I mean, if he's sitting 91, 92, that's not that big of a deal. But when he was dealing with shoulder stuff, that he was sitting a lot lower than that. So they're watching him closely. Fans are watching him with Hawks eyes. Uh, with that said, you know, he's he's a very good pitcher. He's had some really nice seasons in Cincinnati, even in that tiny ballpark and twins fans or rather the twins themselves. And I think twins fans should be, uh, are enthused about him being on the team last year. It didn't really pan out and they traded quite a bit to get him. You know, we've seen Spencer steer having a really nice rookie season with the reds, but, um, I like the twins in the first one and honestly not to steal your thunder, but I think that the pitching matchups at large favor the twins. But again, that's why they play the games. The, the national series, you know, the Twins almost got shut down by Patrick Corbin and Chad Cool gave up like one run. Granted, he didn't pitch that long, but th- this offense has stretches where they just go into these weird slumps. And that's why they're 18th in OPS and 22nd in average because they, they just they have these long swaths where they take pitches down the middle and then swing at sliders a foot off the plate. And hopefully that's not the case here. So I think that you're right. I think that the Twins have a, have a slight edge to, to, on today's pitching matchup. They have an overwhelming ocean-size edge on Friday's matchup between Lopez and Lyle. So I think that Lopez will absolutely carve up. I'd be shocked if he doesn't have 10-plus strikeouts in this game on Friday. Well, well, and to be fair, the Nationals got to him a little bit. Again, cold game in Minnesota. It's it's not as cold now. We're getting kind of 55, 60 degrees, which, I mean, I don't know how that affects you, but for me, that's pretty standard for this time of year. Um but yeah, you know, both both pitchers pitch in the same weather, so having one having the advantage of the other, not really a thing. Uh, but he did get touched up a little bit by the Nationals, so you know he's going to want to get back on the bicycle, especially too because it was the first start after signing an extension. So uh, you know how Twins fans can be; they weren't too excited about that. And then you've got Keller and Sonny Gray, and I think that Sonny Gray again has the edge, like like you know, affirmatively has the edge, I, I think, on, on that matchup. Not to say that Keller's been bad. He's been he's been all right, uh, less than four ERA, and, and there's been times where he's been on. Uh, but I think that Gray's just been that much better than him on on Saturday's matchup. And then you roll into Sunday, and you've got Ryan versus Singer. And I think that while Singer has the stuff, and I think that that, that will be – I think that that will be the closest matchup in terms of just raw stuff of who has who has the mm-hmm. best pitches. But in terms of production, uh, it, it'll go to Ryan, obviously. But but in terms of raw stuff, I think that that'll be our best game of the series. Well, and if if Singer can drop the home runs, you know that's that's it's a difficult thing for any pitcher, especially a young pitcher. You know, even though he's got almost 400 big league innings at his age, you know he's 26. He's he's still learning the league a little bit. He hasn't had that spot where he's really hit his groove. Although last year, I mean, I guess he threw 150 innings, so he was really solid. 
But, um, you know, the more you see the league, the more you adjust to it and it to you. Um, I still think Singer's going to have a nice season, and I'm, I'm a big fan, but I'm just hoping it's not until uh, next time out <laughs> for the Royals. That would be – it'd be much nicer if he saved it for um, his next start. I'm looking at it here. Uh, looks like he's going to face Oakland. Yeah, go ahead and beat up on Oakland, but just wait until then. That is going to be one of the most interesting series in baseball because – someone has to get right. Like these are the two get right teams. Whenever you play Kansas city or play Oakland, you're looking to get right and get back on track. Whenever they play each other, who's going to, who's going to come out with it with a massive win on paper. I think it should be Kansas city pretty handedly, but uh, the game's well, not played on paper. And it, and it looks like the, it looks like you're going to face Drew Rusinski in that game. Drew Rusinski's my guy from way back. He was on my other podcast back in the day when he was in the twins organization. It's so cool to see guys come back from overseas and get a shot. You think of Colby Lewis, um, who is the other one? Uh, Merrill Kelly. There, there's a lot of guys who come back from overseas. So to me, that's fun to watch too, because these guys reinvent themselves. Um, not that that's pertinent to this matchup, but it just something I really enjoy is seeing guys become entirely new pitchers, you know, late in their twenties and early in their thirties. Right. And I appreciate you hopping on and having this idea to do this crossover. Let them know where they can find you uh, and follow along all series long. Yeah. Just uh, locked on twins and I do pre and post game minutes. I call them breathless minutes because I run out of breath because I try to fit as much information into that minute, especially since YouTube says we can only have a minute. So yeah, check that out or on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. You see it on the bottom of the screen if you're watching us on YouTube. Um, Yeah, love to have you on Locked on Twins. If you're a a Royals fan with an AL Central curiosity, maybe we can uh, scratch that itch for you. There it is. We've adopted the Twins because I picked them to win the division. So if the Royals aren't going to be yes. good, I might as well be right about something if the Royals aren't going to be good. So let's adopt the Twins and let's have a fun series. Brandon, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, and until next time, be good. Be good to one.